When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. We believe God actually speaks to us through these words. So let's take a moment of silence to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so we can listen to God's word. From 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God has loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us, and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in him, and he remains in us, because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us, and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us. So that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear expects punishment. The person who is is afraid, has not been made perfect in love. We love God because God first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. After all, those who don't love their brothers or sisters whom they have seen can hardly love God whom they have not seen. This commandment we have from him, those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. Chuck, hello? Okay, there I am. Howdy. Okay, so I'm Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here at Nova. Um, I'm excited to be sharing with you all tonight. Okay, so when I think about my life, one of, well, I would say three of, the most significant moments in my life uh, was the birth of each of my three sons, the moment that I got to to meet each of them uh, for the very first time. Uh, I remember when our youngest, Jack, was born, uh, the nurse kind of surprised both Katie and I that, like, as soon as Jack was born, uh, uh, she just kind of, like, dumped him onto Katie's chest. And Katie and I were like, what? (laughs) Here is this blue-skinned, wet, goopy creature that's just, like, there, and he's like, okay, now keep me alive, you know? Um, No pressure. (laughs) That moment that, that I held him for the first time, and the same as for first time I held Luke and Sam, 
just this moment of holding this, this child in my arms, this, this helpless, um, vulnerable person looking into eyes that can hardly even open. And just like, it's, it's this amazing experience. It's, I've act, I struggle to find the words to, to describe it, but psychiatrist and author Kurt Thompson puts it this way, really resonates with my experience of those moments. He says, we are all born into the world looking for someone looking for us. And we remain in this mode of searching for the rest of our lives. We are all born looking for someone looking for us. This bone-deep desire to, to know that love is seeking us out. It's just something that's fundamentally human. As we go through our lives, though, this desire gets beaten down. It gets crushed, certainly disappointed. We learn to hide, to protect ourselves. And yet, and, and we do all these things to, to survive, Life teaches us that love can't possibly be unconditional, not in a world ruled by money, sex, and power. And yet this deep desire remains in us to be known and to be loved. So is this desire just some cruel joke, an impossible desire that will never be satisfied? Or can we actually be fully known and fully loved as we are? And can that love actually become the center of gravity around which everything else in our lives orbit? Can the life, can life, the universe, and everything really be all about love? Well, tonight we're beginning a new series called Paradigm, Seeking, uh, Seeing the World Like Jesus. And over the next eight weeks, we're going to be discussing the eight axioms that our friends uh, Matt Tebby and Ben Sternke share in their book, Having the Mind of Christ. They use these eight axioms in their church and their discipleship coaching. Um, this is the book that uh, the, all the discipleship groups are studying together. These axioms are meant to help us reframe the way that we see God and the world and open us up to the transformation that Jesus wants to bring to our lives. One way of thinking about these axioms is as corrective lenses. So, I have really terrible eyesight. I'm wearing contacts right now. And if I weren't wearing contacts right now, I would probably not even be able to read the pages in front of me. I definitely couldn't see all of you clearly. I wouldn't be able to distinguish faces I have really terrible eyesight, strong astigmatism, um, I'm very nearsighted, I have to be wearing contacts or glasses to be able to function in any way in the world. Now, my prescription, however, is a little bit outdated. <laughs> um, I've kind of been putting off going to the eye doctor to, to renew my prescription. Katie knows. Um, it's, it's, it's been on my list for a little while and, and just kind of keeps getting shoved to the side. Think of this series as an opportunity 
to have an eye exam for your paradigms. All of us see the world through a particular set of lenses. We all have a particular set of assumptions about the world and about God. We've received these maybe through our families of origin, the ways that we've been brought up, um, our experiences of life, both good and bad, um, our the, you know, the ways that we've been brought up in Western culture or whatever your culture of origin, our educations, and especially, if we've had these, our past religious experiences, both good and bad. If we don't take time to examine these paradigms, they remain invisible, influencing us under the surface, shaping the way that we see God, the way that we see the world and affecting the way that we act in the world. So the question for this series is, are we seeing clearly? Are we learning to see the world like Jesus? So if we think back to our scripture reading today, um, in just 14 verses, the word love appears 27 times. Anyone want to guess what the author's topic is. Well, obviously, superlapsarian predestination, naturally. (laughs) Sorry, I knew you'd like that, Sean. (laughs) No, he's talking about love. He's talking about love. He makes this remarkable statement, God is love. And that is the first part of our first axiom. God is love. Love. Notice John doesn't say that God has love or that God loves us or that God loves the world or even that God is loving. No, John says God is love. Now that sounds stunning. That's, that's huge, right? What does it actually mean? I think there's two things to point out. First, love is essential to God's nature. Love is essential to God's nature. To say it in another way, love is not just one option on God's color palette. Love is the base paint from which all the other colors are mixed. Let me say that again. Love is not just one option on God's color palette. Love is the base paint from which all the other colors are mixed. Second thing I want to say, love finds its origin in God. This is where it gets a little mind-blowing. John says that when we act in love, we are actually participating in God's very nature. He says, love comes from God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Sort of makes me think of kitchen appliances. (laughs) Kitchen appliances don't generate electricity, right? They don't have their own power source. They have to be plugged into a wall outlet. But when they're plugged in, they can participate in the electrical circuit. 
right? Well, God's love is sort of like that electrical circuit. Love's origin isn't in us. But when we love others, we become conduits of God's love. We actually participate in God's love the way that the appliance participates in the electrical circuit. We participate in God's nature. And that is mind-blowing, right? More about this in a minute. God is love. And here's the second part of the axiom. So it's all about love. God is love, so it's all about love. Now you might be wondering, wondering, what is it? What is it? Well, life, discipleship, the purpose of life, the whole cosmos, everything. It's all about love. That's the unique claim made in the Christian scriptures. It's all about love. Now, it's one thing to say that God is love. It's another thing to say, at all, everything is about love. Because so much of our daily experience seems to contradict this, right? Are your employee reviews all about love? Are your grades in school all about love? Is your retirement plan all about love? Is brushing your teeth all about love? Filing your taxes? Is driving on I-25 all about love? You know, just looking at the obvious evidence, um, I might be tempted to say that, no, life is all about survival. It's all about getting mine and keeping it against all others who might take it from me. Life is about power, about the ability to shape the world in some small way according to my will. But the startling claim that the Christian scriptures makes is this, that life, start to finish, is all about love. This love that is meant to define the Christian life. It starts within the Christian community, but extends beyond it. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then earlier, in chapter 5, Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Love each other. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Take a moment right now and just kind of think about the people in your life that you interact with on a daily basis, the people that you rub shoulders with, the people that you ride the bus with, go to the grocery store, um, the people who live next to you, the people in your family. This list, loving each other, loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, does that list leave any of them out? Friends, it's all about love. And the message of Scripture is clear. If we don't have love, 
We don't have anything. So let's put it all together. God is love, so it's all about love. Now maybe, you know, you're sitting here listening to me talk and you're thinking, this is just one cliche after another. Um, There were times when I was writing this that I thought that too. This is just one cliche after another. You keep talking about love, but what actually is love anyway? Great question, hypothetical person. (laughs) What is love? Popular culture tends to define love as romance, as warm feelings, or an abstract value. But in Christianity, love is never a mere abstraction. If you ask John what love is, he would point to Jesus on the cross and say, here is love. This is what he writes. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is love? To answer that, we have to look at Jesus. It's Jesus who has shown us what real love looks like. It's Jesus who gave himself away in love for our good. And he's the one who calls us to give ourselves away in love for the good of others. Now, I know my temptation when I hear these words is to really muster up all my effort and really try, just give it my best shot to really love other people like Jesus. Try harder, learn more tips and tricks, through sheer willpower, muster up the strength to to love in the Jesus kind of way. But that way of thinking gets the whole thing upside down. Because remember that John says, we love because he first loved us. Earlier I said that, that when we love others, we're actually participating in God's nature, that we become conduits of God's love to the world. And that's why, friends, the goal is divine union. Okay, stick with me. It's a little heady. (laughs) The goal is divine union. God is love, and it's all about love, and so the goal is to be united with God, to be connected to the circuit. The goal of discipleship, the goal of life in general, the goal is divine union. This is what Matt and Ben in their book call communion in love. It's what we're talking about when we here at Nova share our mission, which is to invite people to enjoy life with God, life with God, divine union, Participation in God's love, communion in love. These are different ways of saying the same thing. So what would you say the goal of your discipleship is? Or what would you say the goal of your spiritual journey or your spiritual practice? What would you say the goal is? What would you say is the goal of your life? If that's too big of a question, what would you say is the goal of this coming Tuesday? 
When I think about Tuesday, am I thinking, well, the goal of Tuesday is divine union. The goal is to live life with God. Honestly, I usually don't. But that's the corrective lens being offered to us in this axiom. To see the goal of all of life as communion in love. To grow in love isn't about our effort or education. It's about living in God's love. Or as other translations put it, abiding in God's love, taking up permanent residence in God's love. John puts it this way. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. To love is actually to participate in the life of God. To be invited into the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This love that is revealed in Jesus Christ. And friends, that's what it's all about. God is love. So, it's all about love.